Welcome back to the Eucatropolis Podcast. I'm your host, James Hill. This week, we explore how to make more of the chords that you already know. And the technique we're going to learn is called Insta Harmony. It's really fun, so stick around. As a teenager, I really got into vinyl records. I started DJing at little parties and stuff, and uh, first it was just with my dad's record collection, like Pink Floyd, The Beatles, Moody Blues, I remember. And uh, it was long before the sort of vinyl renaissance um, that we see now. You can go down to the, if you have a record store in town, I'm sure you can go down and buy vinyl of like the latest records. But in the early 2000s and the late 90s, you couldn't do that. You just had to sort of go digging in the crates at the thrift shop and do your best. And I got into sort of scratching records and and the creativity around manipulating the sounds on records. And one of the best things you could have when you're trying to um, sort of stitch together sounds is uh, records that just have talking on them just like what I'm doing right now. And there are a lot of records out there like that. There were like self-help records or or instructional records, how-to records. I remember my dad had one about how to play the folk guitar, you know? Um, And so I would get my hands on these records that just had speaking on them. And I would sort of cut up the words and, and try to put them in different orders and just have fun manipulating the sounds of the voice. And of course, along the way, I would get to listen to these self-help records, <laughs> not because I was looking for self-help, but because I was looking for material for, you know, my music concrete kind of compositions. And I remember this one in particular. I, I cannot remember the exact title of the record, but I dropped the needle one day on a track, a self-help track, and the phrase that came out was, if you're bored, then you're boring. <laughs> and I sat, sat there and just listened to this over and over and I sort of, it really sunk into me and stuck with me. If you're bored, you're boring. <laughs> and it said something to the effect of, if, um, if the number of topics that you're alive on is greater than the number of topics that you're not alive on, then that makes you an interesting person. <laughs> and I was like, Okay, I guess I can kind of see the wisdom in that. I mean, being engaged and interested in things and being curious and easily fascinated um, makes you an interesting person and helps you avoid boredom. I guess this has been on my mind because um, my son has just gotten into the idea of boredom and he brought it up yesterday. Um, And, you know, oh, this is boring and that is boring and school is boring and music is boring. And you know, and it takes me back to that moment where I heard that phrase for the first time. If you're bored, then you're boring. And, you know, we're working through it. We had a jam session last night and it wasn't boring. And he didn't think it was boring. It's just one of those things, you know, you kinda work through at some point, like 
what does boring mean? And is life really boring? Well, I think this affects not only six-year-olds, but, you know, everyone, 60 plus, everyone across the spectrum, those of us who play ukulele especially are confronted by this on a regular basis because when we sit together in a jam session, you know, how do I say this? Things can get, not if not boring, then sometimes a bit monotonous, right? You fall into the same patterns. You fall into the same strums, the same chords, the same keys. And so what I want to focus on today is springboarding off of a question, actually more of a comment from Tina, uh, who talks about the concept of insta-harmony. I love this term that she's come up with, insta-harmony, um, as a way of keeping things interesting. What if there was a simple way to take a song that could otherwise be pretty monotonous and without really doing anything major to it, we can turn it into a much, much more interesting piece. That means more interesting to play and more interesting to listen to. Well, what if there was a simple way that we could do that? As ukulele teachers, uh, many of you listening out there, I know are ukulele teachers, and Tina is certainly coming from a teaching perspective. She is a student right now in the Jehui Level 1 teacher certification program. So although I'm sort of coming at this from a teaching perspective, this information that we're going to get into today, these ideas are very much for everyone, teachers and players alike. Nobody wants to be bored. Nobody likes to be bored. Everyone likes to be involved in something that is fascinating and beautiful. So what am I talking about with InstaHarmony? Well, Let's go back to Tina's comment and, uh, and take it from there. Tina's working on a lesson where she's uh, learning how to teach one of the songs from Ukulele in the Classroom Level 1. If you don't have it already, it's completely free. You can download it if, if you like. If you're a teacher in a classroom or somebody looking for a structured approach to music literacy on the ukulele, uktropolis.com slash classroom is where you can get not only book one, but also book two and book three for free as downloads. And she's working on the piece Long, Long Ago, which goes... It's this uh, kind of melancholy melody and um, lends itself naturally to accompaniment with uh, some arpeggios in the background. You know, that's a natural kind of accompaniment pattern. And so she says, I really enjoyed the sweet harmony of this piece. She said, I added another part to it, which was the C and F chords in the seventh fret area. The seventh fret area. So instead of playing them down here, she's playing them up here, like that. Or the C chord up there would be, right? She's finding the same chords in a different neighborhood and finding that they harmonize with the garden variety chords that are down in the safe frets, frets one, two, and three. 
And we're going to see how just exactly what it is that she's talking about and how we create these instant harmony parts. She says, Insta Harmony is going into my pack of teacher tools. What a great way to help build students' confidence and encourage them to try different things with a song. Yes, Insta Harmony is going into my pack of teacher tools. And it should go into your pack of teacher tools as well. Whether or not you ever take the Jehui Teacher Certification Program, and I hope you do, uh, and you can find out more at eutropolis.com slash J-H-U-I, shameless plug, whether or not you ever do that course, this is something you should know. If you're a teacher or a player or both, as most of us are, you should know about this. Okay, so InstaHarmony, what does it mean? Let's take an example, because uh, this is all going to make a lot more sense if we have an example to play and enjoy. I love the song um, Plaisir d'Amour, and I was just listening to it this morning, and it was on my mind, maybe because I was thinking ahead to this episode. I just love this melody. Plaisir d'Amour Yes, I have to admit, I was listening to the Nana Muscuri version, the live recording from 1971. Ah, I love it. Kind of a guilty pleasure. You should check it out. <laughs> Nana Muscuri, 1971, Plaisir It's just mesmerizing. She's so good. Okay, so uh, typically in a, uh, in a jam session, you know, if a song like this comes up, and we're choosing sort of slower songs here because it gives us time to savor the harmonies and to really understand what's happening with Insta Harmony. This is not to say that it can't work for faster songs, but it's certainly um, more clear when we take slower, more lyrical examples. So that's what we're going to do here today. And yes, if you're wondering, there is a handout for today's episode with these chords, this chord progression, and some of the voicings that we're talking about. So go to the show notes and you'll find a link. You can follow that link and download the handout for free. Okay, so when this song or a song like it comes up in a jam session, sometimes you'll hear it played like this. idea and you might be kind of rolling your eyes thinking oh yeah we do kind of default to that type of a sound you know we all love to strum i love to strum i mean come on who doesn't love to strum it's kind of the reason that many of us pick up the ukulele in the first place you love to strum those chords but here's the thing the uh the left hand or the hand that holds down the notes that hand can be thought of as the what of the harmony. <laughs> what I mean is, it's the notes that you're playing, it's the what you're playing. But the right hand is the how you're playing it. The right hand is the how, the left hand is the what. 
and the what and the how together combine to give us mm, basically the style of the song that we're playing, or at least the style of the performance. And I can't overstate how much influence the right hand has on the overall style of the performance. The how you do it is in many ways more important than what you're playing, what notes you're playing, is the how you're playing them. That has a very deep influence on how the audience is going to perceive this um, this performance. There's a big difference between playing all the notes at, at, at once. Play And not changing a thing on the left hand and simply dragging the thumb across the strings so they get one string at a time and ha- have it sound like this. Play truth is, my left hand, the what of the chord, (laughs) that hasn't changed at all. Not even one little hair on its head has been changed. All the notes are in exactly the same place they always were, and the only difference is the how, the right hand. It's just dragging the thumb across the strings, and we get a totally different style of performance. And it's this kind of broken chord style that I want to focus on because it instantly changes the feeling of the performance, doesn't it, right? It goes from being a little heavy to suddenly being delicate and light and having room to breathe, room to resonate, It gives us time to savor the harmonies and the notes as they ring into one another. So this is the first step. And you might be thinking, well, that's not really insta-harmony because we still only got one person playing. We don't have two or more parts harmonizing together. But just hold that thought because this is only step one. Step one is to break up the chord but not change a thing on the left hand. And, you know, if you're students or if you're sitting there going, I don't really think of myself as a, as a finger picker. You know, I'm more of a strummer. I'm not so much of a melody plucker. I'm more of a strummer. Well, just think to how it is that you tune your ukulele. You know, when you're sitting there tuning the ukulele, you're not going like this. You're not going. You know, <laughs> now i got to put this back in tune. You're, you're not strumming when you tune. I mean, everybody who's ever picked up a ukulele and tuned it knows what it's like to play one string at a time. <laughs> there it is. So, don't be, don't be um, afraid. Just take your thumb on your strumming hand and let it fall, just like a waterfall, let it cascade across the strings from the string closest to your face down to the floor. That's all I'm talking about. It's nothing more complex than that. Okay, 
So that is step number one. We've broken up the cord. And now what we're going to do, although we could just stop there and say, well, isn't that a really nice new way to accompany this beautiful piece? Yes, sure, we could stop there. But InstaHarmony beckons. (laughs) Tina is saying, you really got to check out this InstaHarmony thing. It inspires students to try different things with a song, Tina is saying. And I'm saying, yes, let's go. What is this InstaHarmony? Well, InstaHarmony is when no single person plays all of the notes of the chord. And it's the teaming up uh, of parts that creates the harmony. That's a very long way of saying, I'm going to stick to strings one, two, and three, and you stick to strings two, three, and four. (laughs) That's the very practical way of saying it. Okay, I'm going to confine myself to strings one, two, and three. That's part one. And part two, which is going to harmonize, is going to confine itself to strings two, three, and four. Okay, so we are going to overlap a bit, but we're never going to be on the same string at the same time. Okay, uh, you might notice that I have the low fourth string here today. My dog has fleas. And the reason I have the low fourth string here today is because it just makes these harmonies a little bit more clear uh, as we're creating them. But this can work just as well with the high fourth string if you have the re-entrant tuning. So when I say I'm going to confine myself to strings one, two, and three, what I mean is I'm never going to touch that fourth string. Okay. So when I'm playing my broken chord, instead of drawing my thumb all the way across all of the strings, I'm just going to start on the third string, C. I'm going to start on the third string, and it will sound like this. When I play my C chord, it'll sound like this. That's it. Now, if I go to an F chord, I have actually placed a finger in the usual spot on the second fret of the fourth string, but I'm never gonna play that note. I'm just putting it there sort of like for comfort or security or for familiarity. And when I go to a G7, for example, I'm only playing the third, second, and first strings. And then back to C. I'm confining myself to the first, second, and third strings. And that's it. Never going on to the fourth string. That's part one. And it would sound like this. almost like I'm playing a three-string ukulele. Now, I bet you can guess where we're going to go next. We're going to go to part number two. There's a whole different section of the orchestra now. And this different section of the orchestra also has a three-stringed ukulele. But this time, it's only strings two, three, and four. And they never touch the first string, the A string, the one closest to the floor. That one is off limits to this second part. And this second part, if they play a C chord, 
and they hold a C chord in the usual way that you've always played it. They're going to put that third finger on the third fret of the first string, and they're never going to play that note. <laughs> Just the three open strings beside it. That's going to be how this harmonizing part plays the C chord. Just 4, 3, 2. 4th string, 3rd string, 2nd string. In fact, my thumb is coming to rest on the A string after I pluck the 4th, the 3rd, and the 2nd. It's actually coming to rest, almost like perching on the A string. Falls through and then comes to rest on the string that it doesn't pluck. <laughs> That's going to give you the nicest sound because you're not going to be timid. You're not going to be trying to avoid that string that you're not playing. You're actually going to sink right into it but not actually pluck it. If I change to the F chord, this uh, second part would sound like this. Okay. And the G7 chord. I'm still holding the entire chord just for security, just so I feel like I'm doing something I've done before. Another good example of the left hand doing its usual thing, but the right hand giving us the how of the chord. I mean, the left hand thinks I'm strumming. There's no difference to the left hand if I go like this, or if I go like this. It makes absolutely no difference to the poor left hand. The poor left hand is just, you know, doing what it needs to do, it doesn't have a whole lot of influence over the style of the performance. Okay, so now we have two parts. We've got and we've got and the only difference is that one part is confining itself to the first, second, and third strings, and the other part is confining itself to the second, third, and fourth. And that's it. That's the only difference. In every other way, uh, the, the parts are identical. Okay, let's hear what they sound like together. First, let's hear just the notes without the melody. I'm going to go through the chord progression, and you'll hear this kind of harp-like sound as the two parts start to combine. Here we go. If you're, if you're uh, playing along, I'll count it in. One, two, three, ready, set, go. Beautiful. You can hear those two parts harmonizing instantly. And okay, so it's not been totally instant because we, we've been walking through this step by step by step. But you can imagine that once you and your jam buddies or you and your students, once you get the hang of this, 
you can apply it to any song. And at that point, it does start to become a lot quicker to the point where it becomes second nature and just instant harmony. Let's hear it with the melody now. One, two, three, here we go. Blazilda. It's a really beautiful sound. And here's the thing. If I had presented you with a score, you know, sheet music, five lines, treble clef, dots on the page, and you have actually had to read this part, you'd be going, okay, so first note is C. Okay, um, now what next note is uh, E. Let me see. Every good point. Okay. E, good, and then, uh, uh, what's that one? F, A, C, oh uh, yeah, F, A, C, okay, third finger on the third, this would go probably fairly slowly, unless you're already pretty comfortable with reading either tab or notation. There'd be a whole different vibe to the way you were absorbing this learning process. There's a, there'd be a whole different feeling around this activity. What we've done here is, is we've taken the learning off the page and we're drawing the score, we're drawing the sheet music in a sense, out of the fretboard because the reality is it's all there. It's actually all under your fingers all the time. You know, you, you turn your fretboard around to face you and you look at that fretboard and well, it's all there. All the notes you're ever going to play, all the chords you're ever going to play. They're right there under your fingers. It's like sitting at a, at, a, at a typewriter thinking that all the poetry you're ever going to write is right under your fingers. All you have to do is put the letters in the right order. You know, I don't know if that's inspiring or daunting. It is what it is. So to go back to Tina's original comment, she talked about doing something at the seventh fret. She's like, I added another harmony part using uh, chords at the seventh fret. So to finish up here today, I just want to explore what she's talking about. And I don't know exactly because I haven't heard her arrangement exactly, but I can guess what she means by her comment. She means this is for students who are a little bit more advanced and ready for a challenge. As you probably know, you can play a C chord down here in the safe zone. You can play a C chord a little higher, or a little higher, or a little higher up, or very high on the neck. These are all C chords, right? You can do the same for an F chord. In fact, you probably should at some point explore what an F chord feels like, not just in the home position, but also sort of midway up the neck, and even higher up the neck if you can reach. I remember Kimo Hussey, the, the great uh, uh, Hawaiian ukulele performer, uh, wonderful teacher, good friend of mine, and a big influence on me. He says to his students, you have to know every chord in three places, at the bottom of the neck, in the middle of the neck, and at the top of the neck. And that, although there is more subtlety to it than that, 
This is a really nice way of simplifying a very complex concept. You need to know it here. In the first three frets, you need to know it here, about halfway up the neck, and you need to know it here in the cheap seats, you know, <laughs> way at the top in those high frets. Really, really nice way of communicating this um, concept. Okay, so let's do just that. What if we teach our students the chords C, F, G7, and maybe D7, which we're going to need for this um, plaisir d'amour? What if we teach our students those same chords halfway up the neck? Like uh, C, G7, F, D7 would be... Uh... So that's what those same chords sound like in higher positions. Now, I'm not going to go through every single one here on the podcast because I've put these in the handout that you can download uh, to go along with this podcast if you really want to dig in and find these higher positions and play along, which I encourage you to do. But if we teach our students other ways of playing the chords, then... We have the great advantage of having two ways of playing the chord that will harmonize with one another. So if some students are playing it in the regular position, Some students are playing the exact same chords, only in a higher position. They might sound like this. And this is another way of creating insta-harmony. It's the way that Tina is alluding to, and it is a little more advanced, as you can tell, because we are learning new positions for the left hand, where the first way I showed you does not require learning new positions for the left hand. It only requires splitting the strings between two different uh, groups of people or two different people if it's just a duet. This more advanced version that Tina is talking about actually does require the left hand uh, to learn new positions on the neck. But it's very beautiful, and it's another way of creating insta, or at least nearly insta, harmony. Let's hear what it sounds like when we have these two parts together. The garden variety chords down here in the safe frets, and the sort of middle-of-the-neck chords, which are actually the same chords, only different voicings. That's the technical term for exactly what configuration the notes in a chord are in. You know, this is a C chord, this is a C chord, this is a C chord, and this is a C chord. Those are all different voicings of the C chord. So let's hear what happens when we combine two different voicings of the C, the F, the G7, and the D7 chords. Here we go. I'll count it in in case you want to play along. One, 
two, three, here we go. Play Zelda have noticed that I changed the picking pattern there. Not only did I go down toward the floor with the thumb, as we were doing in the previous example, just cascading in a waterfall motion, but I'm also climbing back up the waterfall. This is kind of like um, sledding. We've been doing a lot of sledding here through the winter. You know, <laughs> kids get to the top of the hill. They love going down the hill. Whoosh! That's the fun part, right? But then what happens? Unless you have a rope toe installed in your backyard, <laughs> you have to climb back up the hill. And that's not exactly the most fun part. But you got to do it if you want to slide again. <laughs> so that's all I've done here. I'm, I'm going down toward the floor with the thumb and then climbing up again. Sledding down, climbing up. And then down again, climbing up. So that's all I'm doing there to make things a little more continuous, right? And to add to the um, the challenge of Tina's version of this Insta Harmony. Okay, well, I hope that this gives you some ideas, whether you're a teacher going into a private lesson, whether you're a teacher in a classroom, or whether you're a jammer or a jam leader, or if you're just sitting at home and playing some songs and wondering how you can make them sound more interesting, more nuanced, more fascinating, I guess you could say less boring. <laughs> I hope there's some ideas there um, that give you ways to do that without having to sort of relearn everything about a song. I mean, as long as your left hand knows where to go, your right hand can bring new life to a song, whether you're playing solo and you want to um, break the chord, if you want to arpeggiate the chord, or if you're playing in an ensemble and you want to create instant harmony. These are all ways that you can do that. Break the chord so that you're not always strumming the same way. And then if you want to create instant harmony, either assign certain people to certain strings and they stay only on those strings, or you assign a certain group of people to a certain part of the fretboard, say midway up, and they play all the same chords, but midway up the fretboard. And those voicings are going to harmonize with the voicings that are down in the first, second, and third frets. Okay, that's it for this week. Thank you to Tina for the comment that inspired this episode. I hope that was helpful.
Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Euketropolis podcast. I'm your host, James Hill. I'll be back again next week with another real ukulele answer to a real ukulele question. In the meantime, you can find me over at euketropolis.com. I'm there every day helping students to um, learn more about the ukulele and have more fun with music. Come on over, take a free lesson. We've got lots of samples and join the community. Until next week, be well and keep on strumming.